I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs. Dance like dying stars. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs. I can't run real far. Let me break down what I just said. Each of my double D's has the volume of a toddler's head. Now bitching about my boobies, they look super flying shirts. But if I swung them in your face, you'd be like, oh my God, that hurts. I'm blind, holy crap, I literally can't see. I have permanent retinal damage. I'm suing you and your heavy boobies. Heavy boobs, heavy boobs, dance like dying stars. I got them heavy boobs, heavy boobs. They each have their own memoirs. What you gotta know is that boobs may be where it's at. But if you cut them open, they're just sacks of yellow fat. Stuff falls into my bra, it's a little bit of a drag. But when I go to bed at night, it's like opening a Mary Poppins bag. Uh, as our as our cold open, what I've done is I, while looking up ASMR microphones to to show an example, I found a, a an ASMR microphone shaped like a human head with two ears that I could go that is in stock at my local photo and video shop that I could go buy right now, and I want you both to ballpark for me how much you think this human head shaped microphone costs. Uh, I'm gonna go with um, eight hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. I'm gonna go with seven hundred and twenty-four dollars. Actual retail price: eight thousand nine hundred and ninety-five dollars. <laughs> at at B and H Photo Video in Manhattan, New York, USA. Eight thousand. I was worried I, I was going to be a little bit high, and instead I was an order of magnitude too low. You were, in fact, like, a, you needed to the 10th power on your guess to to get in the ballpark of this one. <laughs> By my good God. <laughs> I could buy a car. I could buy a used car for the price uh -huh. of this head-shaped microphone. I gotta see more pictures of this fucking, like, what, does it come with a body? Does it talk to me at night? Like, what is it? How do I mount the head? I know that is, you know, can be an uncomfortable question. But, like, how, how does it, no, it just sits on the ground, apparently. You I can... think it would be really neat if it had, like, a... A skeleton as a tripod attachment? Yes. Well, that's what you got to do. You got to buy one of those high school classroom skeletons uh, and put this guy on there. Look, I don't do the ASMR stuff, but if I saw a video of someone with this head microphone on a high school anatomy <laughs> skeleton... I'd at least check out one video. Like that's how you right, get me I gotta in. see what that's <laughs> how you get me in. That was that's yeah. That's a, that's an alluring thumbnail. I gotta see what's up. And I want I wanna see the different like creative ways you could rig it. Like I wanna see skeletons in like silly positions and hung from different places. Absolutely. Like I show up on on my next film set, you know, like bring your own audio equipment, Kevin. And I show That's up. the boom mic. That's <laughs> the boom mic. It's the human head microphone. And we have to like, you know, hang it from the rafters, you know, to like get, drip down between our two. You heads. know what's great about that though is it's actually you could it's it's dual purpose. You're you're cutting costs because it's a boom mic and it's a stand-in. 
Yes, if I put a wig on it and like put it out of focus in the foreground, as our two actors do, you know, maybe like a crowd scene behind it. Yeah. I think. Hey, I we're think on to the, something. This is the future of filmmaking. You're welcome. Whoever yeah, hears this. And and has, who, who, whichever independent filmmaker hears this and has a few extra $9,000 before tax lying around. That's true. You are and you're paying for, and you would have to source a skeleton. I would like to see this atop um, that like 12 foot skeleton from Home Depot in just this tiny. Yeah. But a tiny little head, like that Beetlejuice guy. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. You got a tiny head up there. Absolutely. I could buy this microphone right now. It would take essentially all the money I have. It would would, I would have to clean it all out. It's done. Rent is due next week. (laughs) I had under $400 in my bank account yesterday. Um, So it's quite a flex for you to be like, I could buy this $8,000 head. Yeah, I'm fucking, I'm throwing it around. But again, it would take, it would be all of my money. <laughs> all the money is gone. No now more Now we money. know exactly how much money is to TV Kevin Lanigan's name. Uh, Patreon.com slash TV's Kevin if you want to incentivize me to buy the big head microphone. <laughs> we need 8,000 of you to do a monthly exactly. subscription. Yeah, that's yeah. our new Patreon goal, actually. If <laughs> if, if 8,995 of you pledge $1 a month, I will buy the big microphone. I didn't even raise that much for top surgery. And that's like a <laughs> life-saving, affirming surgery. And I did not even make yeah. my 8,000. I think my goal was 10. And I did not make close to that. Yeah, I think we have the new, do we Do we all remember the famous uh, uh, fake Kickstarter, I want to make potato salad? I, I no. do, yes. Okay, it was, um, so this, the if Kat, for your edification, and, and for anyone in the audience who doesn't know, um, there was someone who started a Kickstarter, um, and I'm, I'm trying to- They kickstarted? To, they kickstart, they started the kick, um, and- Was it uh, on that, like, BlackBerry Messenger kick? Uh, yes, they, they, they downloaded the app on their BlackBerry Messenger kick. And they found a, a beautiful, glossy stock photo of potato salad. Uh, and the <laughs> Kickstarter was called Potato Salad. Uh, subject line, I'm making potato salad, created by Zach Danger Brown. Uh, uh, Which you knew fact, off the top of your head. I am, you yes. I'm not looking this up. I'm not reading on a website. I am looking it up. I, I'm looking it up in the recesses of my brain, my in my mental library. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I don't remember the initial Kickstarter goal for I'm making potato salad. However, uh, 6,911 backers pledged $55,492 to help bring this project to life, to help make potato salad. Humanity came together and helped a humble boy from Columbus, Ohio, make his potato salad. I both love that and, like, so hate it. Yeah, I'm of two minds about it. Absolutely as well. Mm. I think Zach Danger Brown, if I remember correctly, essentially donated all of this money to charity. Um, if, if uh, at least according he, to Zach Danger Brown. Yeah, he did. Uh, he basically had a big uh, potato salad like uh, cookout for a bunch of people, and then donated the rest of it because he was like, "This is so stupid," and everyone <laughs> who did this uh, is just outlandish and i don't want fifty five thousand dollars for potato salad think about your taxes that year (laughs) 
if you if you net in because he didn't start an LLC, you know, for his potato salad to to help, you know, with his with his taxes, he had an extra fifty five thousand dollars hitting his bank account that year. If you don't donate that, you're you're the IRS will kill you. <laughs> the IRS will send their goons and you will die. <laughs> Anyway, uh, you know, let's. How many head microphones could he buy with that potato salad money? <laughs> Nine thousand. Uh, and I'm obviously uh, historically very good at math. Like five head microphones. <laughs> five and a half head microphones. That's a good math problem for the SAT. <laughs> if Zach Danger Brown raised fifty-five thousand dollars. For potato salad. How many human head-shaped ASMR microphones could he buy? <laughs> if Zach Danger Brown is driving from Kentucky and the human head microphone and a bowl of potato salad are driving from Massachusetts, how when will they collide? Do they still do that problem? Because that sucks. I've never understood how I was I took to an that. I took an aptitude test recently, which was humbling. And um, it really, if I had any self-esteem... <laughs> the day of that, um, I was brought. I was brought to my knees, um, because I had an interview. I thought it was an interview. It was actually just an info session to prepare for the interview, for like a software kind of like one of those coding class acceleration mm-hmm. programs, boot camps, coding boot camps. Um, but they would pay you a salary to do the program in two years and then you would take on a bunch of evil bank clients and I did that and then they they said that it was like you didn't need any experience but they didn't tell you that you had to take an aptitude test and if you scored like if you failed it you wouldn't get an interview and I definitely failed it and it was a lot of program it was a lot of problems like that but I did a lot better than I would have expected myself to do (laughs) considering I haven't done anything related to that in 11 years then you Um, should be proud then like (laughs) I was I was I was proud and humbled at the same time absolutely my favorite way my favorite way to be before we talk about anything else I just need to say that my favorite kickstarter that I like meme related Kickstarter mm-hmm. um, was, was that uh, that animation looping gif of the uh, lo-fi study hip hop beats to study and, and sleep to or whatever, the uh-huh. girl with the headphones who's perpetually at her desk working, there was like a Kickstarter to like free her. Free her? <laughs> Get her out of the chair. which i really like and then i couldn't find later on the internet when i went back to look for it but when i saw that i was like that's amazing it's like free her let her free her um remember recently when uh that stream was interrupted for enough time that um youtube uploaded the stream archive as a video no what does that mean so if you do a live stream on youtube when you stop doing the live stream youtube then uploads the live stream as a video you know it's like and it's a video that's on your channel on oh my god on the lo-fi girl channel um and this happened 
it, it looks like it's actually happened a couple of times on uh, on the Lo-Fi Girl YouTube channel. So it was like I'm looking, years. Was I'm like, looking at it. This video is years long. I don't understand how to read this as a unit of time. The Lo-Fi Hip Hop Girl video that stopped streaming three months ago is, and here is, here is how the, you know, when you look at a YouTube video and it says like 14-53, yeah. right? Or like yeah. sometimes, you know, one colon 14 colon 53. This says 20,843 colon 43 colon 51. What does that mean? Is that 20,843 hours? How do you measure, <laughs> measure? <laughs> Those beats. <laughs> I'm always ready. Yeah, you gotta, well, you were, <laughs> you were present for a sing-along of that song not two days ago, Kat. It's, it's fresh in the, fresh in the noggin. Yeah, what was I doing? Where was I? Tell me about it. You were at uh, Big Fish Small Pond, uh, a, a local, uh, uh, a, a, the first occasion of a, a local New York show uh, for for former theater kids turned artists and comedians uh, to uh, perform a musical theater ditty for an audience of people on a Friday night at a free show in the back of a bar. Uh, a, a show where I did indeed perform a musical theater song. Uh, a show, a show that I was uh, not quite the opening act to. Uh, I was the second on, uh, but I requested to go first because I'm like, you don't want me to go on after anybody. <laughs> you want to warm up with me, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, and yeah, I, I I I was there and I did perform the it first was... time I've sung in front of a group of people in over ten years. It was so cute. I'm so glad. <laughs> I'm so glad you liked it. It was so cute. It brought me such joy. I felt like a proud dad. <laughs> um, I have not watched the video of it that you sent me. Yet. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't I'm, either. I'm like, if it was too. me. Yeah. yeah, but I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna watch it eventually. I gotta upload. I'm, I simply must post. I simply I always must be posting. Um, but content, but, content, yeah. content. If anyone, uh, assumedly by the time this episode goes up in a week or two, um, if anyone wants to watch a video of me singing Never Ever Getting Rid of Me from Waitress the Musical, you can at, at, at TV's Kevin Lanigan on the major social media platforms. And that's that. Uh, and this is, of course, Crazy X Pod Friends, a podcast where we uh, work our way back through the greatest musical comedy television program of all time, uh, Crazy X Girl friend uh the show is called crazy x pod friends not because we are ex friends but because we used to have a podcast uh we still do but we used to too uh i am one of your hosts tv's kevin lanigan uh and i am going on strike until the dream ghosts get dental as part of their program <laughs> i love like a, a deep bit i love absolutely how, how deep it goes um, I'm Kat Scott. I do this podcast too. You say them pronouns. That's who I am. Perfect. And uh, joining us, uh, uh, a first time guest on the show, uh, uh, another uh, beautiful member of the community podcasting community uh, from the Good Morning Greendale podcast, Ben Mooney. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. All the way from uh, Portland, OR, with the greatest air in the world, the most, the crispest, <laughs> finest air on planet Earth. 
as of uh, two days prior to recording recording this, we did have the worst air in the world for all major <laughs> cities. Which number was one. Very, it was great. It's good to be number one. Um, <laughs> no complaints. Uh, my lungs were fine the whole time. Uh, they didn't. They didn't complain once. I had great lungs, and I still do. <laughs> I, I, my, my lung. That's you know. I, I think our parents' generation would perhaps look at that and be like, "Oh, you gotta toughen up your lungs." You know what I? You know what I mean? Oh, your lungs need <laughs> to have trouble for a little while. It builds character for your. Yeah, lungs. exactly. It's just training for you know better lungs. That's that's what yes. you do. You lift weights to get strong. You breathe smoky air. You know, you, you exactly. gotta you gotta really train those lungs up. That's you get like, COVID. Yeah. Trains your lungs, makes them yeah, better. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's like how Olympians they go to the mountains to like run, so because it makes their lungs very strong, uh, just like just like Portland. Uh, now this this will be a hopelessly out of date reference by the time we are uploading this, but Cat, it does it's worth saying. You and I are both broadcasting from the fourth coolest neighborhood on planet Earth, <laughs> according to Time Out New York, uh, and I feel like the the In the whole wide world. It was the only the New whole- York. Wide world. <laughs> it was the only, I think, American. I don't know if it was the only American, but it was the only New York neighborhood. And there were only like 10 of them. Yes, there were so few neighborhoods listed. And a sleepy neighborhood in Queens, New York. It's the fourth coolest neighborhood on planet Earth. And that's um, it, it, it will soon be an extending city that never sleeps after this article. We're like, our rent's going up. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, I read that Time Out New York over. article, and I'm like, all right, I got to look into moving in July when my lease is up. There's no way, there's no way this is going to stay affordable. They're building some large building across the street from my apartment. I will soon not be able to afford where I am living. It is, it is, it's coming. It's a matter of when, not Isn't yet. that the way here? That's just. For sure. Once you get settled. They jack it up. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Uh, and so and so we are here. We are almost done with season one of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, on this podcast, I started after I got COVID. Can you believe it, Kat? We're so close. We, it's, yeah. It doesn't really make um, a difference to me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> My life it, is unchanged. Yeah, because I think we'll just go to season two but if 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 these kinds of things are significant for others like i respect that but as a chronic binger like one season to the next no longer really means anything to me it only means things to the worst content that i watch that does keep a calendar which is the bachelor universe that that I that's that keeps me present and in the moment because I listen to an absolutely psychotic podcast weekly um, about the Bachelor that, about the Bachelor that breaks down every single thing that happens in the show and then also parasocially as if it's a sports game and it has all its own lexicon and there's a lexicon for it. There's a book that they wrote. It's mm-hmm. insanity. Um, and it keeps me present in the moment and like makes me know how time has changed, is moving in a way that COVID didn't. For fun, I have looked up The Bachelor. Uh, Heard of it? And I was just wanting to see how many seasons of The Bachelor that there have been. I don't know how interested in these guessing games y'all have been <laughs> so far, uh, but I would love to hear just a, a, a ballpark how many seasons of The Bachelor have aired. I know um, the answer because I you listen to that podcast, they bring it up expert. a lot. Yeah. Okay. 
Because wow. they hyper they hyper binged it on one and a half speed during <sighs> lockdown and then started the podcast. <laughs> oh, I just had like a oh, that's a psychic attack. I just and, I can't even imagine. Yeah, yeah and they I, call it like I hate the, the very idea of that. But, everything yeah. about that makes my fucking insides crawl. Like I just <laughs> I'm gonna guess fifteen seasons. Uh, Ooh, I am afraid it has been twenty six seasons of The Bachelor. Not including its sister show, The Bachelorette. Or Bachelor in Paradise, which is yes, the only uh, show where there's multiple people dating each other instead of one, like, pinnacle person and everyone else clawing each other to get to the person. To get to one person. Yeah. Uh, the Bachelorette, there have been 19 seasons of, just for anyone keeping track at home. Uh, so uh, slam that together, 45 uh, seasons of the core two Bachelor of the core two Bachelor shows. And I, I think, think I wasn't eight. off by an order of magnitude this time because that would be 150 seasons. <laughs> Which I would have believed. I would have, <laughs> if you had told me, yeah, there's been 150 seasons of The Bachelor, mm-hmm. I'd go like, yeah, of course. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, the, the real whopper is looking up how many seasons of Survivor there are because, I mean, my good guy. Uh, but, but anyway, yes, so we, we are not here to talk about The Bachelor. Thank God, because I have nothing to say. Uh, uh, we are here to talk about Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which only got four seasons. Uh, now, now, Ben, uh, a a customary question for every guest. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your Crazy Ex-Girlfriend journey? How did you, how did you come to the show? Uh, well, so one of the reasons I did want to be a guest on this podcast is because you are actually the reason why I watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Whoa. So <clears throat> my my wife uh, got into it uh, some years ago um, and she she started watching it. And she's like, you know, I think you might like this. Uh, it's it's this funny show about, um, you know, it's, it's got that that woman from the YouTube videos and it's uh, musical and she's obsessed with this guy. And I was like, that doesn't sound like anything I would be interested in. <laughs> uh, thank you though for the, the recommendation. Um, and so she watched um, the first three seasons. And then um, when you did your rewatch, when you had COVID and you were talking about, uh, you know, all about how it's, uh, you know, got these really, um, real depictions of mental health and um you know how everyone is kind of just a little bit broken and i was like okay now 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 you're talking um because i've realized through watching this uh this show that that is kind of my jam i mean between like this and bojack horseman and you're the worst and i'm like if it's about broken people doing broken things because <laughs> we're all kind of broken inside then i'm in and um so yeah so so your your tweets about it made me go hey maybe just hmm. maybe and then i was like i, I asked my wife I was like hey would you want to do a rewatch with me uh and she said yeah and so we we watched through it uh earlier Thanks. this year and um it turned out to be a very good show is so. your marriage stronger uh, we we definitely make more uh, crazy ex girlfriend references all the Sounds time. Sounds stronger now. to so, me. Um, <laughs> you know, with it, she and I don't have a lot of overlap in a lot of what we uh, watch on TV. So any any show that uh, is both ve- something that you can make um, a lot of references to, um, and is it fits in that 
overlap between what we like. Because, like, she's never going to watch BoJack Horseman ever, and that's totally fine. Um, it's not for everyone. But, um, and I'm never going to watch, um, you know, there's some other stuff that she watches that I can't rem- remember at the moment. But, like, you know, like, she she's really into musicals, which is why she likes this, and I'm not really. So she'll make musical references all the time, and I'm like, what was that? She's like, oh, it's from Into the Woods. And I'm like, <laughs> that's okay, great. That's a thing that I, I know that you like. I don't know anything else about it. But, um, so, yeah, anytime there's any sort of overlap um, between um, interests and we can make references to it, um, uh, it's uh, a lot of fun. We actually did... Um, because we got married earlier this year and uh, we did a little at-home karaoke uh, as part of the the celebration. Um, and uh, I actually did uh, the song uh, Settle For Me at, uh, <gasps> at karaoke. Amazing. Um, All-timer. At, at, at my your wedding. wedding. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to walk down the aisle to that song. Kevin, <laughs> look look at your influence. Look what the you're power. doing. <laughs> I'm an influencer. Amazing. Yeah, because, because of you. I wow. sang "Settle for Me" at my wedding, so that's that's a beautiful story to me. Earnestly, <laughs> thank you, thank you for sharing that. Oh, uh, and a great argument for "Settle for Me" being the superior song, yeah. of which I was uh, resistant, but you're, now you're, yeah. the I power can't, it holds. Yeah, I can't fight. I can't fight a, a wedding song like that. Just. <laughs> If it impacted that much that the reception had settled for me. Absolutely. Yeah, I want I want Santino Fontana to sing that song as I walk down the aisle, I think. Uh is is my new my new goal. Uh perfect. So let's we'll, we'll do let's... a we'll do a Kickstarter, see if we can get that <laughs> get Santino Fontana to perform <laughs> at my wedding. <laughs> Just that one song and then he can leave. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he and we can either put him up overnight or if he just wants to like fly in, sing. Fly back out. We'll make it work, Santino. Whatever you what we're working around your timetable, buddy. Whatever you want. Um, perfect. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, our first epi of the of the day, uh, season one, episode fifteen. Josh has no idea where I am. Directed by Stephen Sushita, written by Rachel Bloom and Aline Broche McKenna. In this episode, we picked up right where we left off. Rebecca uh, has uh, just sat down on a plane to go back to New York to get her old job back. And uh, in a in, in something that could truly only happen on a TV show, she happens to be sitting next to her therapist, Dr. Akopian, um, who uh, it purports to help her, although uh, Rebecca has uh, fallen asleep on the airplane, taken too many sleeping pills. And uh, instead, she is sort of given a tour through her own subconscious by a quote-unquote dream ghost uh, version of Dr. Akopian. Uh, I have always liked these ep- this episode quite a bit. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's a very strong uh, episode. I usually have mixed feelings about, like, this kind of episode where, oh, I'm going to give you a tour through your whole life. Because uh, sometimes, you know, it could be really strong, in like a Christmas Carol kind of way. Maybe I'm just sick of a Christmas Carol. Is, yeah, is part of I was going to say, mm-hmm. the frame is Christmas Carol, so it really just depends on how you feel. I As uh, as Rachel being Ebenezer Scrooge. Yes. Uh, back, back, through, back through her own uh, life. But, hey... If nothing else, the Dream Ghost song is is a bop. is is a complete 
banger. It gets stuck in my head all the time. And, you know, when you bring in Amber Riley and Ricky Lake as, as the other two dream girls on the plane, it uh, really, really just ties the whole thing together. I can't remember the song without the melody of actual dream girls. So that's my only folly is it's so close to it. It's so close. <laughs> Um, we are the dream ghosts. Yeah. Um, it, it, and I'm it, only it, hearing dream ghosts. Dream ghosts will never leave you. I mean, that is basically, it's basically identical. It yeah. really is. Like it, it is the, the, the closest this show ever comes to like plagiarism over parody. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it's extraordinarily, extraordinarily close. And it is the only real song in this episode. Uh, we almost always get two or three. This is the only, unless you count um, Ahab, can't you see? The whale is a metaphor. You know, like that. that is the only other song we really get in the whole episode, um, which does introduce an idea I like that they follow through on for the rest of the show that Rebecca, when Rebecca sings diegetically, it's bad. She is not a good singer in real life. It is Ooh. only in her flights of fancy that she has, you know, Rachel Bloom's great singing. That's so voice. interesting. I love yeah. that distinction. I didn't notice that. Or if I did, it was the first watch through a long time ago. Yeah. Wow. That's neat. I like that. I like when people yeah. make those decisions. I, I really like that as a choice because, like, it really emphasizes just how much all of the singing and and flights of fancy are all just in her head and um that you know in this in this world of of uh rachel bloom singing like she, she's she's just it's a whole different world and it, it really helps separate out those two and i think that's a really uh really smart way to kind of do that and then yeah i do like how they you know kind of keep that going through the the rest of the season so yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's a it's a strong, you know, there's a lot more. Uh, she only has one song next episode as well. But it, maybe maybe she was just, you know, like taking a little bit of a break. Rest those pipes a little bit. Do do a little bit more dialogue because, you know, she she writes all the songs herself. She's obviously the lead character on the show. Like, yeah, maybe maybe let uh, uh, Mercedes from Glee come in and, and sing a little song for a little while instead. <laughs> Uh, they give give Greg another one. He hasn't had one uh, in in quite a few episodes at this point. Give Greg another song. Um, yes, but this 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 episode addresses some of the the mysteries, the running threads that have been going through this show so far. Namely, uh, Rebecca's dad, uh, who is not such a good guy and definitely not such a good dad. That's um, so hot. <laughs> I love how much this guy fucking hates his daughter <laughs> or is not interested. More no, he's not a, interested. He's like a he's like a Alec Baldwin, Dennis Quaid universe dad. Uh-huh. Okay, in terms yeah. of looks and feel and mouthfeel. Absolutely. It does feel like the sort of guy that, that like a mom is into. You know, like uh, my mom loves the aforementioned Dennis Quaid, um, who like is a good looking guy, but is not yeah a marquee idol in the same way a lot of other hollywood actors are so it's kind of my mom loves kevin costner in the same way it's sort of like an approachable level of man handsome like obviously a good looking man but also someone you could run into at the subdivision barbecue you know 
Yeah. Yeah. It was hard to picture them together when they were the mom and the dad. It was hard to like picture An where... unbelievably mismatched pair of people. <laughs> yeah. Just like they don't really like, yeah, I can't really imagine how they, how they got together. Um, I do love that. a couple like that though, where you go, what's the story uh-huh. here? How did this happen? <laughs> not even just, not even just for the surface level looks, which is stupid that like I, that you judge couples by how they look together, but uh-huh. like they're both attractive in very different ways. <laughs> In ways yeah. that don't find each other. You, I don't know. They seem like from totally different worlds. You know, like, yeah. uh, as opposed to, like, Paula and her husband, where you're like, I get how these two people met and, like, became a couple. You know what I mean? Like, this makes sense to me. But you look at Tova Feldsha and the actor who plays Rebecca's dad. I'm, I'm sorry, sir. I, I don't know your name. It. Sorry to this man. Sorry to this man. <laughs> um, I don't get it. I want to know the whole story. I, I want to sit down and be told, how did you meet? Who approached who? <laughs> who thought this was a good idea? I gotta know. Not even a looks thing. They're just so, they're just from different societies. Like they're, they're from different worlds. It's just, it's it's baffling to me. It feels like some, a couple that like trauma bonded. <laughs> Yeah, it reminds me of couples who like got together over a shared trauma, like like a war or an apocalypse or a zombie apocalypse or something. Yeah, this show takes place after the the zombie apocalypse. Re, uh, reality has been rebuilt, you know, which is it's wild because they just they don't really go into that that much. They just never mention it, which know? is so crazy. You'd think that'd be a bigger part of the show, but right. No. But I guess it's one of those things where like you know you watch. Justice League or something, and you're like, I can't believe no one is bringing up that, like, a couple decades ago, like, Pedro Pascal became a magic wishing rock and, like, almost destroyed the planet Earth with his power. But I guess we're all used to it in that universe at that point, you know? I feel like there'd be a lot of podcasts that talk about it all the time, like how there's so many podcasts that just tie everything back to how Ronald Reagan fucked everything up. Right. They would All the podcasts would be talking about Pedro Pascal becoming the magic rock just constantly. Something you kids might not learn in history class. Was there a, well, there was a moment where Pedro Pascal granted everyone's wish on the planet Earth and it almost destroyed the whole planet? <laughs> Uh, and that's normal for us now. That's just, that's an accepted, for them, that's like the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire. You just read that in a history book and you're just like, I don't even understand. <laughs> I just, I don't. Uh, but but yes, yeah, so we get the, the tour of Rebecca's dad. And then obviously you get the uh, big uh, Harvard theater class story uh, uh. With, with, with that big old jerk. Yeah, anybody get any like horrible flashbacks during, yeah. during this sequence? Yeah, I like the way that she peppers in her own lived experience because it's really hard not to pull from a, mm-hmm. having a theater background as a person like it's hard not to reference that in your work ever um or improv it so I like the way that she is like I did this but I was pre-law and my mom would be so mad if I took this like finds ways to like insert her actual experience and and stereotypes um into this character who like is not a theater kid yes and it gave me a lot of flashbacks especially especially the the fuck boy with the power 
issues, the control issues, and the um, scarf. That was a familiar character, that teacher. Right. I just, you know, sometimes you see a character in something and they're a big old jerk and then you're like, ah, but I've met people exactly like this before. Met people exactly like the the horrible director in this. Artists have such specific, I won't use the word trauma, but like such specific experiences with specific kinds of jerks. And I love seeing them reflected so perfectly. Me too, me too. The Mrs. Darbus universe of theater teachers it's nice to see also like the younger versions too of like the younger jaded fucked up teachers it actually made me um I'm gonna muse for a second and then I'm gonna disappear for two to three minutes and then I'm gonna come back but it reminded me of I went to London this summer and I like self-inserted myself in this study abroad program um, cause I wanted to get the full experience of what I was paying so much tuition money for at the institution that me and, um, and Rachel Bloom share. Um, but I did a youth and drama program in London and a lot of that program was all of us former theater kids who decided to return to teaching theater to kind of heal our own inner children and be the teacher we didn't have. And there were so many moments because we were working that same sort of like crazy theater day of like working from early morning to late night, um, doing rehearsals and, and process drama and creating like silhouettes with our bodies. There were many moments where we would get emotional and be like, oh, there's a healthy way to do this. There's a way to do this without like forcing children to like unearth trauma. <laughs> like kids feel held. Do we're not like playing weird psychological games on these kids. Like there's ways to do this. And it's also respected in the UK. It's not just like every theater teacher is some like sad washed up actor who didn't make it in New York. Like that narrative doesn't exist in the UK. And it was so refreshing. It was like a big weight to not be under the American government and the American capitalism for just three weeks. I had my mental health was the best it's ever been. <laughs> and that's that cat is moving to foggy London town. I would like to. One day. One day. One day, patreon.com slash TV's Kevin. Money, <laughs> I'll kick cat money. That's it's as simple as that, folks. Mm -hmm. um, if Mike comes first, then yes, $9,000 big head microphone, which is currently my Skype uh, background. Then we send cat to London town, which will cost, mm -hmm. I think, less than the microphone. Absolutely. I think, I think, all told, I think it's easier to move to London than it is to buy this microphone. By the time um, this episode airs, I'm sure it'll be a dated reference, but there is uh, an opening for Prime Minister right now, Kat. Oh so if my, you, yes! If you're interested in... And you don't know this, but I have a, I come from a, I'm a nepotism baby of politicians. Political dynasty, yeah. Yeah, so I am the it. right choice. I know what to do. <laughs> I know how to make, if I make the same kinds of decisions that my family made, um, the world will be a better place. How many degrees of separation from Tony Blair are we talking here? Um, my, I come from a family of true war criminals, so this is all sort of a <laughs> meme because they're canonically war criminals, and I, we can. It is Gannon. <laughs> we'll chat on the side about who 
who my family is. Absolutely. Uh, the fandom will try to tell you that they're not war criminals. They're just understood. But they're, let, let me let me let us be clear. They're they're a war criminals. Um, yeah, they're absolutely. not they're not Trumps. I'm not a Trump, but it's not very much better. <laughs> Uh, great. I don't know. Ben, have you done any uh, theater? Were you ever uh, a theater kid? Uh, I was not a theater kid. Um, the fact that uh, I even do karaoke now is like a thing that I was like, I'm never going to do that um, yeah. ever in my life. Uh, and then a, an ex-girlfriend of mine got me into it. I'm like, oh, actually, this is kind of fun. But um, yeah. but yeah, never, never did theater. I was a, I was a band geek. Um, played uh... clarinet for... Uh, a uh, bunch of years in middle school and um but then I went to school for uh for art so mm-hmm. um you know similar sort of uh similar sort of vibes with a kind of different presentation of uh just a lot of um a lot of weird drama and a lot of uh weird uh weird kids doing weird shit um and uh yeah, so I've I've got I've got that. But um my my wife uh was also um she did um uh she has a degree in theater and she did uh Ooh. theater tech for like 8 years uh, I think. So, you know, there's there's some of that bleed over. I hear the stories, I hear the um you know, I I I I don't have any personal experience, but like, you know, especially as the one who got me into the show, there are moments where she she's just, you can kind of see her just nodding along, like, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. It do be like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I do like that little tidbit about, like, the, the karaoke, because that's very, it's very true to me as, like, you just reach a certain point in your life where, like, you're not really worried about being embarrassed in the same way. You know, like, uh, sometimes, like, a, a teenager will ask me, like, oh, what's your most embarrassing moment? And I'm like... Oh, I don't know. I've forgotten about all those like really embarrassing uh, moments a long time ago. You're just not worried about shame in the same way. Yeah, all of my embarrassing moments now are like one time in 2012, I uh, said something. Uh, I said like, "Oh, you too." When a server had said, "Enjoy your meal," and I'm like, "Oh, that's the most embarrassing thing," and I'll never live that <laughs> down. Yeah, but absolutely. Then, you know, I'll go sing uh i think probably the most ridiculous song i ever did at karaoke was uh detachable penis by king missile um (laughs) and uh nobody liked it uh by any any stretch of the imagination uh i finished that song and it was dead silent in the entire bar and i have no shame i'm just like yeah we all just moved on with our lives out yeah i can say i did that and like whatever absolutely no no shame so maybe they yeah. were taking it in. Maybe they were receiving <laughs> detachable yes. penis. They were <laughs> they weren't ready <laughs> how to react to it. It was a way they were opening themselves to mm-hmm. it. It just mm-hmm. took a little teasing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think at least one person in that audience like later went like detachable penis. Yeah. Like, looked it up on Spotify and then I'm already started there. the whole thing for them. Right. Absolutely. I'm already um, there. Yeah. Like embarrassing shit. Like I on Friday. I was trying to like hold a drink glass in my arm and at the same time I was looking up on my phone a picture of Barbar the elephant to show someone who was unfamiliar and I dropped the glass and it broke and everyone in the bar like applauded and then I had to like pick up the pieces of the glass and then finish showing this person Barbar the elephant and that's very embarrassing. A regular person would be I very ashamed of that. I think the most embarrassing thing is how expensive that drink probably was. Yeah. Because it's New York City. <laughs> New York City, and I paid for it. 
I think I'm thinking of two embarrassing stories and both are ones that like only either only I experienced. And so therefore it's me telling other people the most embarrassing thing I've done <laughs> that is otherwise a secret. Um, and the other one is, is something that like this person, most of the embarrassing thing, it's like, these are things that whoever was around is not thinking about and never never has thought about since but you think about it one is playing hide and go see and also i think most embarrassing stories are just really funny like really funny cocktail party no, i don't go to cocktail party really funny <laughs> socializing uh things to share i think people really bond over them um my two i guess would be when i was in second grade i played hide and go seek and um i didn't want to be found I had a really good spot um, and I also really needed to pee. And so I, in order to keep my spot, I peed myself. Yeah. And uh, was it worth it? Probably not. But oh, in no. my kid brain, I was like, this, this is, more is the spot. <laughs> I will never find a better spot. I won't be found for hide and go seek. Uh, and then when I was found, my uh, my babysitter was like, what did what did you do? I think I tried to blame the cat um, or say it was water or something. But it was classic like very move. clearly pee. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the second one is having my first, most of, most of, uh, I would say my embarrassing stories are anything I did when I was straight. Cause I just like was clearly not, did not know what I was doing. <laughs> or had language for anything that I desired. So I was just sort of stumbling through this life. Um, and I think I had my first orgasm when I was crossfaded at an LCD sound system concert. Yes. And it was the vibration from the speakers that caused it. And I had never otherwise experienced that before. And Do you remember what? Song it was? And I don't remember which song. Ah! That's the crazy part of the story. I've gone back. And I was too. I was too fucked up to like really know what I was, what the song I was, was. receiving was. Um, and I would love to know. I would love if to it was know. like the drop in like uh, uh, "Dance Yourself Clean." I think right. that's like right. That would have that would have been so impactful. Yeah, it could be anything. I just think it was so. Fun. I was with. I was at the event with my boyfriend at the time and to be having that experience for the very first time yeah. and not be able to explain what was going on and oh god really funny but also Profound. yeah in other ways very embarrassing that's a beautiful story i hope one day you get I. to tell that to mr lcd sound system <laughs> i hope one day he gets to hear that story come on the pod mr lcd sound system and then i'll once i figure out the song i'll sing it at my wedding Yes. <laughs> Good. There yeah. you go. Easy songs to sing. A lot of a lot of techno beats underneath it. You know what I mean? Uh, it was New York, I love you, but you're bringing me down. Uh, <laughs> great. But yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, good epi. I love the realization that we're reaching here with Rebecca. You know, it's the real love or the friends we made along the way. Uh, except uh, legitimate. One good banger song, and uh, and we're we're moving along. Although you know, we end on one of our classic little cliffhangers here. Uh, where where Josh discovers a uh, series of printed out photographs that Rebecca got of him, which like, yeah, that's weird. 
Are you getting sick of this though? I'm getting, I'm like, how many more realizations can, I feel like it's already been addressed that she's in love with him. Like, I feel like. Kind of hitting a redundancy note at this point. Yes. Yeah. Which is a note we're about to stop hitting. Uh, uh, You know, we try to keep this podcast relatively spoiler free for episodes we haven't covered, but like we're pretty close to the Rebecca Josh dynamic taking on like a completely new face. uh, I will say. We are about done with with this sort of repeated beat. I think that's why they really have to drop it after this season, uh, because we've done it. We've done it all. Uh, we've 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 covered the whole territory. Right. Um, I mean, and- like back back to my, you know, the my wife trying to get me into the show. I'm like, how much how much legs does a show have when it's just she's obsessed with this guy and like keeps trying to get with this guy and he's oblivious and she keeps like it doesn't have a lot of legs so you know when you've done a whole season of it it does it does start to wear uh wear out it's welcome a little bit but but yeah that's that's part of the reason why i was like i don't know i don't know that's an interesting show but uh yeah they 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 wring a lot out of it absolutely i think they i think they get their their premises worth um but yeah, it's it's about time where I, as a viewer, say let's let's move on. After it's really after the um, you ruined everything, you you stupid bitch with the rock through the window and the whole thing. Like I, you can't really top that. You know, you 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 crescendoed it to such a point that you then underwrite like an episode later. That like at, at you know we just we wax and wane back and forth. It's like I don't know if you're in like late period scrubs, and I'm like, are we still doing will they won't they JD and Elliot? Because like not not incredibly into it in season seven of Scrubs at that right. point. Um, absolutely. Uh, so let's let's segue on to the next one, season one, episode sixteen. Josh's sister is getting married. Um, uh, jo- indeed, Josh's sister is getting married. The premise holds true and has selected Rebecca to be one of her bridesmaids. Uh, but as a sort of uh, attempt to appease everything with uh, Josh, uh, allows Valencia suggests that Valencia be allowed into the wedding party as well. Uh, but some ill-timed machinations from Paula uh, really, really ruin the whole thing and, uh, and and get it all tossed out. But don't worry, because at the end, uh, she starts giving Greg some big old smooches. It's time. We're doing it. <laughs> Rebecca and Greg, it's here. It's now. Uh, absolutely. And uh, this episode features such, so- such songs as I Could If I Wanted To, as sung by Greg. Clean Up on Aisle 4, sung by marty the grocer from the second episode of this show you remember right and uh the all-time club banger heavy boobs um this is i don't know this is a fun one this is a good one we're pushing our our plot lines forward and you get like three songs in this one you really you really get your money's worth out of this episode of crazy ex-girlfriend i think Yes, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, good, a, good. Awkward silence. Um, it, that's, it happens sometimes. Dead air is the only thing that I'm embarrassed by anymore. So. Oh, that's okay. I can cut all that out. You don't need to be embarrassed about dead air at all. That's very easy. You just drag across the Audacity timeline and hit that delete button. Uh, perfect. Yeah. Ooh, so professionals. Thanks, yeah. Audacity. <laughs> Thanks, Audacity, for uh, being free. 
now, now, I don't know, Kat, do you want to reveal kayfabe? You didn't make it all the way through this one because I uh, gave you a wrong time frame. Yes, but I do remember heavy boobs from our first watch years, 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 years ago. And I do remember having heavy boobs. It's why I got rid of mine uh, during the pandemic. So I guess that's my anecdote. Is uh, <laughs> is I I felt my boobs were too heavy during the pandemic because I didn't need to wear bras because I wasn't going out anywhere. And then I was like, these are heavy. I don't want them. And I got rid of. It was an expensive choice, but now I have a designer chest simply because of the feeling that I resonate with this song. Um, I connect with it in a lot of ways. Rebecca. Slash Rachel is not a transmasculine, non-binary person. Um, and I think that's beautiful that we can have the same shared experience uh, across gender lines. Across gendered lines, across across pronoun-based lines, absolutely. Apparently this is a song, if I remember an interview I read uh, seven years ago, uh, <laughs> uh, this is a song she had wanted to do for a long time in her YouTube career. Um, but it does involve a little bit of production value. You need to find like four, you know, uh, chested dancers to, to dance alongside you. There's multiple like costume changes and, and multiple little sets. It makes sense that you save this um, for for when you have the C dub when you got some CW money backing you up. Yeah, that must be really affirming. Absolutely. That you can do it. You know, uh, uh, compare this to music videos for like "Fuck Me, Ray Bradbury" or "You Can Touch My Boobies." It's just the money's on the screen, folks. You can see it. And all the things that she can fit under her boobs. Listen, it's a funny song. <laughs> Listen, it's a <laughs> it's a fun song. We all enjoy it. We learned a lot. That's uh, something I did. I, I, that's something I miss. I miss being able to hold things under it, and I miss. Um, the extra pockets people used to ask me like oh like what well, it must be really cool to have boobs i guess people primarily being men have said that to me it must be really uh, cool and those men did not question their own uh gender i don't know i don't know after asking that question i don't know um but i did like the extra pockets and i liked i think it was also a conversation because sometimes when you have boobs you you fluctuate in boob size at random and so you have to buy so many different sizes and nothing about buying bras makes sense, um, which is part of the capitalist industry of them. They make it intentionally complicated so that you have to keep buying them. But sometimes when the sizes kept changing, I just I had extra pockets. And I thought all the time about before I was um, an active addict, I would think about when I can when I'm older and I can do whatever drugs I want I know I'll be able to hide them in my bra because or swimsuit top because they have little padding inserts and that's a great place to stash things I also stashed Luna bars in my bra during the seventh grade camping trip because they dropped us this sounds scary they dropped us in the woods alone I guess none of us were that far away from each other but they Wanted With us to learn a knife to, to fend for ourselves. <laughs> they wanted us to practice mindfulness as like twelve year olds. Yeah. So they dropped us in the woods. They were really into like transcendentalism, like sure. 
like Emerson, like like Thoreau. They put us in the dark, in the woods. They gave us like a tarp and we just sat in it. We had to be with our thoughts and we didn't know for how long mm. and we couldn't see where anybody else was. And so I was like, fuck this. And I stashed a flashlight in my bra and Luna bars in my bra. And then I learned how to uh, do the alphabet backwards. So I taught myself the alphabet backwards during that time. And then I just started panic belting Defying Gravity and other wicked songs. (laughs) And I guess I was not far away from the other students. So the counselors came up and were like, you need to stop doing this. You're, you're actually much closer than you think to the rest of your classmates. Disrupting everyone's woods activity. (laughs) (laughs) It's really messing with the, with the peace of, of mother nature. But that was my response to um, being alone. And it often is uh, in solitude is to sing musical theater to myself or aloud. Absolutely. I mean, wow. What a, what a, what a trip into the woods. What a, what a night in the woods. (laughs) Can you imagine being an 18 year old and being like, what are you doing to a 12 year old? Yeah, absolutely. And and Stop. when you're 12, that 18 year old seems so world weary and and wise, you know, like they 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 know what's up, they know proper decorum. They're just like, what the fuck is this kid doing here? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> they probably need. They probably know how to use a compass. That was something we were supposed to learn on that trip was how to use a compass. And it seemed like the 18 year olds knew what they were doing. I was like, oh yeah, they could probably like skin a bear. They could start a fire. Like <laughs> they know they how not to only do kill it all. a bear. They know how to clean it. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, they yeah they know what they know what that that uh, that's some Red Dead Redemption shit that those eighteen year olds were onto, uh, but uh, yeah those those kids that were like those kind of people that read the Hunger Games and was like oh sounds cool we should do that. I was that kid. I also buried a resentment for years and years that came out later when I was doing twelve um, step work for my recovery. The last person on my resentment list. So when you the 12 steps isn't just like colloquial. There actually are 12 steps that you do in order. Mm -hmm. And the fourth one is your resentment list of, uh, (laughs) of everyone in your life and then your fears and then your part in it. And it's a very scary prospect uh, to getting sober for a lot of people is this particular step. But the last person on my list was Jennifer Lawrence because I, (laughs) everyone in my life, (laughs) Jennifer Lawrence, who I've never met, I was in Missouri like my whole life and I resented her career because when I read the Hunger Games, I thought I would have been a great Katniss, but I had seen her in Winter's Bone and was like, if I don't get to be Katniss, she should be Katniss. But no one's going to think of this because no one knows who she is. And then she became Katniss. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to make it in this industry. I have too much. Yeah, that's the Hunger Games in relation to my life. So you're really you're really wishing you were from like district one, two, three and we're ready to just like pop off on on Jennifer Lawrence there for a minute. I wanted that. I wanted that that kid trauma of trying to like kill my peers and really reckon with that and like kind of reckon with mortality in a way that like no one else could. I don't want that now. I don't want that now. That's good. That's that's healthy. I but think. my that's teen a, a angst. I think. Uh, well, yeah, teens teens want the worst things in the world. You can't yeah, you absolutely. can't hold all of that against teens. There's just so many chemicals pumping through their body at all times. You gotta hold that against the teen. But nothing says to me that the human race is plagued with protagonist like 
energy for themselves than wanting to participate in the Hunger Games. Thinking that of the 20 some odd people dropped in there, they're going to be the one. They're going to, they got it. They're going to be the one. Uh, whereas I know pretty quickly, I'm like, no, 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 they're going to, they're going to drop me off at the cornucopia and I'm out. I'm done. Someone's going <laughs> to stick a hatchet into my head. Oh yeah, I was uh, I was a, a total geek just playing Nintendo uh, pretty much constantly. So you drop me off in the woods and I will die. Um, <laughs> I, that was true when I was twelve. It's true now that I'm like thirty-seven. Um, I I I can't I can't exist out there. It's I work in tech. I'm I'm everything I do is on a computer. Uh, if I can't type a command to get it done, I'm dead. So we're, we're fucked. <laughs> I talk about this a lot in terms of like, because uh, like there was a few months there at the beginning of the pandemic where we were like, where is this going? And we had to like really start thinking about like, okay, what happens if like the internet gets cut off? Like there were just like, there were things that we had to like mentally explore if if we were willing to that uh, that we didn't before. And I've come to the conclusion that I would, I would like to be in an apocalyptic party where there's like a there's like a designated time that they're going to sacrifice me and I'm going to die because I know that my quality of life will greatly peter off once I don't have access to the medications that I need uh the the eye contacts I just have relying on glasses alone sounds terrifying my epipen expiring all of my foods sensitivities there's just so many and then all of the anxiety yeah you're like, deeply unsuited for <laughs> post-apocalyptic but i have i have a little bit more build than i used to so i have a, i have a little bit of punch that i could really like that those first few days that are like absolute warfare i feel like maybe i could like kind of get through that but the long term past kind of the 70 day mark that's when you when like the party's allowed to eat me or sacrifice my corporal self to whatever zombie is craving flesh. Absolutely. You yeah. know, I, I am not I'm not a prepper by any means. Everyone thought this is where this crazy ex-girlfriend podcast would go to. <laughs> um, I am I am not a prepper by any means. But sometimes you look at the news and you're like, I got to really start thinking about like what my function will be after society collapses. Right. You're like, what should I, what skills should I start learning now? You know what I mean? And I've started thinking about a couple things that like we could really come back to with me. My 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 dream job in the post-apocalyptic scenario uh, would be, you know, the sort of like, essentially run like a huge greenhouse sort of operation. Yeah. I would be yeah. a weird, pretty like unkempt squirrely guy you would go visit when you needed like, tomatoes and be like ah yes traveler welcome <laughs> welcome to my greenhouse uh, i think that would be very fun for me or the only other thing i can think of that i'm like yeah we, we'll need this is like i could be i think your post-apocalyptic bartender but everyone mm. respects me too much to ever like take a swing at me or try and rob me you know it's like no there's a code of honor and you simply you simply don't rob kevin's place i think i could be the guy in the apocalypse i'm always i'm always standing there and i'm washing a little glass with a little rag and i'm like hey buddy what's your story you find any water today you know what's what's going on <laughs> what would your signature post-apocalyptic uh cocktail be 
Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, you know, post-apocalyptic cocktails, we're really going to have to get creative with, like, mm-hmm. is this safe to drink? You know, um, and I and I think I think we could find, uh, oh, like, oh, what's the, there's so much of this stuff left. Like, what's the, what's the okay amount of Windex to drink? Can we, like, spritz that on there for a little flare? You know, kind of, like, light up, light up your, your beverage a little bit. Just, like, a little, um, I think humans will grow accustomed. Whatever, like, thousands and thousands of bottles of liquid at the CVS that are, like, no longer functional in a society where, like, we're not really polishing floors anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like, what, what, can, can a little bit of floor polish really, like, really take take a cocktail up to the next level i think (laughs) is what i'm gonna have to get creative with okay well you'll you'll have time you know there's nothing else really to do um other than cower in fear and um you know yeah great uh great crazy ex-girlfriend uh podcast (laughs) (laughs) absolutely i don't know ben what's your post-apocalyptic thing do you think you're gonna you're gonna make it or um um, so I, I do play, um, a few instruments, um, mm. kind of mediocre. So like nice. as long as there's like uh, guitar strings still available, uh, I think maybe you could, you could keep me around as like a, you know, entertainer of some sort. Sure. Um, the moment that last guitar string stra- uh, snaps though, I'm next up on the chop. <laughs> I got, I got nothing else. Um, next I can kind people. of knit a little bit, um, Ooh. but not enough to like. Like I'd have to really between between all my guitar playing, I'd have to get really good at knitting, because right now I'm very slow and bad at it. But yeah. I can kind of do it. So like that's a jumping off point, and maybe I can make uh, you know post-apocalyptic sweaters or whatever. Um, uh, yeah, that's valuable. That'd be great. Yeah, I need those great. absolutely. Uh, but yeah, so you're sort of you're sort of a knitting troubadour, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's great. I think that's a great idea. That's, exactly. a, that's Ben great. Ben Mooney, post-apocalyptic knitting troubadour. That I... is me. That's fucking, that's incredible. I love this. <laughs> I love this plan for you. Uh, absolutely. But yes, I guess, you know, crazy ex-girlfriend. Um, I, I like, there's a couple of things in this episode I really, really like. One, I think this is a good start to what this show is going to do with Valencia going forward. Um, uh, you know, I think, I think that is a character who's been, who serves a particular function on the show up until this point. Uh, and I don't, I wouldn't call it a spoiler to say like, they're going to do more with this character. And as someone who is currently writing and rewriting a romantic comedy, it's really easy to make the romantic obstacle character incredibly one dimensional, very, very unlikable. You know, it's, that's a really easy thing to fall back on. And uh, Valencia has kind of still just stayed in that spot for this entire, entire first season. But I think we're adding a little more humanity. There's a great line in this where she's like, yes, I was looking up like a how-to video on humor. I've been working on my humor. I think it's such a funny angle to take this character into that she just does not understand like polite human interaction um, is is a very, very funny angle to to take with this. I don't know, Ben, you a Valencia fan? Um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, again, not to get too much into spoilers, but I do like that, you know, it, it would have been very easy to, at the end of season one, just be like, and Valencia's gone. She, she, she doesn't need to exist in this universe anymore. And so she's not coming back. And the fact that they bring her back and actually make her into an interesting, uh, an interesting character, um, 
I do think is is very great. I definitely didn't like her uh, at this point in the show. I mean, you're not really supposed to, and mm-hmm. um, you know, you at this point she is pretty one dimensional. So, um, but yeah, I, I do end up uh, uh, becoming a bit of a, a Valencia fan. Um, I guess um, never thought of myself as a Valencia fan, <laughs> but I'm 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 okay saying that I'm a fan of Valencia. Yeah, I don't, I don't. But as the as the show is sort of taking this angle where I think you're definitely supposed to be a lot more conflicted about Rebecca and Josh as as everything is going along, right? And I think and the, the, the Dream Ghost episode that preceded this is very key into like, hey, maybe this whole thing is like really not a great idea for her. Uh, besides all the morally dubious things that have gotten us to this point, like maybe... Rebecca can't this is this is not healthy what what is happening mm-hmm. obviously and as that trajectory goes along I think it's much easier to shift the audience into a very sympathetic point for Valencia now that we are not necessarily really rooting for Rebecca and Josh uh outright I'm sure there are plenty of people that do shippers are very powerful and could overcome any any obstacle thrown into their path but um yes there is there it's sort of a twin trajectory that we are uh moving on here that that helps us flesh out valencia a little bit more it, we, we won't get a ton more this season i will say but but we're, we're about to expand this character we're about to take take valencia into into really interesting directions but but yeah so that is a, a great development and then um i i you know i i really like a greg episode and there's some good greg here about like actually trying uh i I like his 90s grunge uh, i could if i wanted to Uh song it's a fun video Mm -hmm. it's really good um and it's even like it's a low energy song and it's a it's a video that seems kind of low energy like it all it all works together into into this uh pile but as he realizes that like oh getting accepted to uh one good college years ago is not like something you can coast off of forever no one's really impressed uh about where you went to college or whatever uh, i think it's a it's a good twin arc here that honestly the end when like he uh, rebecca starts kissing him that's only going to set him back from the good from the good path that he was on you know yeah i i do really like how um you know there, there's a lot of episodes of this show where it's very much like uh, uh, Rebecca is like, you know, the the protagonist and we're rooting for her. And then there's a lot of episodes where she just kind of is this agent of chaos where like I hesitate to call her the protagonist when it's just she kind of shows up and blows everything up. And, uh, you know, this is this is one of those episodes where it's like, I, I mean, Paula also helps blow things up to quite an extent on this one but like the two of them combined just kind of show up they screw everything up for everyone and then like you know that's that's it like yeah she's gonna she's gonna go off with greg and like that's gonna uh blow up greg's hard work and she um you know almost screws up the you know valencia's life even more um and and it's it's fascinating to watch a show that kind of keeps doing that where it's like yeah she's our protagonist and we're rooting for her but man she sucks sometimes yeah 
She she sucks. And like when you think about it at all, as if these are like real people, you're like, what she's doing is is like horrible. Uh, and and uh, I think I've, that's really emphasized here with with Paula, uh, the like actually like nefarious and illegal things that Paula is always doing in pursuit of this quote unquote love story uh, that now it's like we we have to stop. This has gone too far. Uh, and Rebecca sort of sees firsthand, you know, this this very Dr. Frankenstein, like, oh, the monster that I've created is now like beyond my control and, and will ruin things even when I don't want the monster to ruin things. Right. And like, uh, I, I also really enjoy this episode in the fact that like, you know, for a lot of, a lot of season one, it's kind of the like, the idea is that Rebecca is like this broken person and, you know, Greg also, we get some hints of his like alcoholism and, and whatnot. But um, in episodes like this, it's also like, oh, Paula is actually also a very broken person because who, who goes in and hacks someone's email to like post fucked up Instagram, uh, you know, things blow up someone else's life entirely uh, just to get your friend laid. Like that's, I mean, I mean, she fall in love forever for all time or whatever, because Josh <laughs> and, and Rebecca are perfect, but you know, still that's a lot to to do and who the fuck does that and so it, it is it, you know going back to that idea of like me really liking shows about just terribly broken people this is where it's also like man everyone is actually kind of broken uh in this in this universe um and paula takes like a real villain twist in this one and i'm i'm here for it Absolutely. Um, and and this is something that's going to drive a wedge between them. Uh, and and this is one of the, the predominant things that we're sort of uh, building here. You know, as we approach the end of this season, we're laying track for, you know, it's a, a season finale is coming up. Some things are going to fall apart. Some things are going to explode. And this is kind of them laying this thread between Rebecca and Paula. And and you know you you hate to see it, but you know sometimes you gotta you gotta talk to your friend, you gotta you gotta give them a hard talk of like this behavior, mm -hmm. simply unacceptable. We cannot continue to do this in this way. Yeah, it's and hard. You know, oh, go ahead. Oh, it's just like I, these the this personality is actually really familiar to me, as like I think the dynamic of Paula is very similar to um, people who love or have loved ones who are addicts. Um, and I think like, no spoilers to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, but uh, uh, Rebecca's just starting to <laughs> unpack what her uh, mental health issues might possibly be um, by going into her childhood and stuff. But it that sort of, that kind of person who has that sort of background uh, and that sort of behavior tends to attract codependent people who just want to fix things and also misplace their things onto others. So like this dynamic is so familiar to me because I'm an addict in recovery. So there's lots of people where I've been that person or that I've known other people in my life that's like that. And so it's like it's broken, but it's also a fam familiar dynamic that's really nice to be seen represented and kind of explored and isn't just a joke, like isn't just like 
the joke, the bit is that this is that Paula is this, but it's like an actual explored character through multi episodes. Mm-hmm. And and this show, I think, strikes a really good balance where, like, yes, these these characters, you know, they sing these wild songs and they do often these very uh, insane things that only a television character would do. But they we do still approach them as people. They they are not like their behavior is still held to account of like how we would expect a real person's behavior to to be held to account. Uh, the the show shares our morality whether or not you know we we find you know Paula's various schemes entertaining uh, and yes I I think this is a good uh, important like uh, reproachful step here uh, you know because like like so many things on this show right now like the Paula thing is not sustainable we can't keep this going for seasons and seasons and seasons um, the Rebecca and Josh thing is not sustainable but you know. At the same time, you have uh, Rachel and Greg, Rachel, Rebecca and Greg, uh, both reaching these points of realization. Uh, you know, with Greg with the the grocery store lad. Um, I perhaps the text of the show is that like, yes, Rebecca will come to you if you stop pursuing her. But the way I've always liked to read the plot line a little bit better is you should stop doing this thing, which is very bad for you. And, and you should move on and work on your school, you know, or, or whatever. Or you end up like the grocery store guy who went to, did they say he went to Harvard? Yeah. Uh, or Yale? He went to Harvard, just regular Harvard. Went to regular Harvard. Not the Harvard of the South or the West or the, you know, he went Went to to Harvard, you know, to regular Harvard. Right. So it's like, you know, Greg should be learning the lesson here of like, sit down and apply yourself. And Rebecca from last episode uh, should be learning the lesson. You know, she partially learned it because she does say like, hey, Josh, get out of my apartment. Like, leave, leave, leave. We, we, we can't keep doing this. You should be with your uh, fiance uh, and your sister in, at, around her wedding time, you know? Uh, but she does not learn the lesson of like, you really need to focus on yourself right now as opposed to trying to throw yourself into a relationship. So these two... Yes, it is, you know, like a TV romantic moment and a big cliffhanger. Oh, my God, these two are finally, like, hooking up. They're finally kissing. But it's hard for me to get, like, as someone who enjoys Rebecca and Greg together, um, it's hard for me to get excited about it because, like, it means they're both regressive. They're not mm-hmm. learning the lesson that they should really be learning right now when they are, when they are hooking up here. Mm. It's like when you've got a friend who starts dating someone and they're just so happy, and you're like, "Oh, this is not, this is not going to end well. It's not this gonna is, work." But you you can't be like, "Cool, you fucked up." You got to be like, "I'm so happy for you." This is and, great. Um, and you know you it's going to go wrong. Kevin yeah. really explored that dynamic uh, in one of our first projects together. Kevin, what was that again? What was the name of that? And what was, what did you do for that? I don't... Mike and Summer, right? Oh, yes, of course. That was my famous romantic comedy web series, Doomed to You, uh, about two uh, very toxic people who were a very toxic couple that all their friends hated, and they broke up, uh, and they're, uh, everyone finds out, and they throw a big party. They're like, Finally, these two are, are done, uh, but then uh, these two essentially start hooking up again out of spite. 
to throw it back in everybody's face. Uh, all five episodes streaming now on YouTube.com. You can watch it oh, the whole thing in like an hour. Uh, and I'm still very proud of it. I, yeah, I, I co-wrote, co-starred, co-directed all, all five episodes of that. Yes. And I, and I find, you know, those, those noxious combinations of people to be very fascinating. Uh, the rom-com I'm working on now is less acidic is the term I keep using. I'm trying to play it much more like down the middle while still trying to keep it like interesting and, and not just like a rote thing but uh yeah and and of course cat uh, uh we met on that set of that web series and then we became friends and i did your radio show about show tunes and you worked your way up into a into a prime friendship oh i would never describe friendship with me as a prime friendship <laughs> i would oh, would you... oh yeah well that's nice <laughs> <laughs> i help out on trivia nights you know i know a lot of weird things I know that yeah. the CW used to be the UPN. I know a lot of weird things. You take me places like Florence and uh, wrestling with your oh, with your eight thousand dollars to your name. Absolutely right. Yeah, with my with my head microphone money, uh, where we're gonna go, we're gonna go see some wrestling in New Jersey. Which people people around these parts in New York, they they have some nice things to say about New Jersey. They, New Yorkers love New Jersey, classically. <laughs> I think people will be really impressed with our activities. Going yeah, and Doom T, the, what made me think about that is um, is that I my little role in the web series later was doing like an infomercial like yes. you do for antidepressants of like, my life was so hard, but then I did this. Yeah. Um, but instead the premise was like Mike and Summer getting back together. And ruining my life is, is making me depressed. It's <laughs> ruining my life and I need a medication. Um, and it was like all of the kind of stock shots of like whimsical, whatever, like flying through a field and walking your dog and stuff. Sitting but, in parks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, talking about how Mike and Summer literally made your ass hurt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> You love, I've been in rooms multiple times where you pull up just that cold open to episode three. Um, and people it's, are very confused. <laughs> yeah. One, because they're like, who is that? Because I, that was Who's that? Because you look very different. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And my voice was different. There were a lot, there were a lot of differences in that. But also I, I think of it as my reel. I'm like, oh, you want to see one of my great performances? Here's my fake infomercial from Kevin's web series. <laughs> Check this out. Sans context. Check yeah. It out. Yeah, that's true. I guess the context kind of is what makes it. I still yeah. like it. But. <laughs> Comedy doesn't need context. How, I have a bunch of, I'm not going to, I'm not going to dox any of my dear friends, but I have a bunch of people in my life who I feel like are in those relationships. And I don't, I, I don't say I'm very happy for them. I say like, I'm happy, you're happy. And sometimes I set boundaries where I'm like, You've come to me so many times asking if you should break up with this person. You know my answer. Oh, We're going to have yes. to talk about something else because, mm -hmm. like, I can't yeah. keep doing this. My, uh, you know, my platform when it comes to my friends' relationships will always be I will not offer my opinion un unbeckoned. I will not, you know, say, like, hey, I don't really like your girlfriend or whatever. Uh, but if you ask me, 
I, w- I will be I will be honest. I will I won't try and be brutally honest. I won't try and like stick a knife in you. But you know, if you ask, maybe you want to know. And then they won't listen to me anyway. It's not it's yeah, not like exactly. they take my advice to heart. Yeah. And then like eight months later, they're like, oh, you were right. And I was like, I'm aware that I was right. Yes. <laughs> you can tell on my face. Prime friend. Prime yeah, friend. Yeah, exactly. I, I subscribe to the Prime membership for this kind of honesty. <laughs> wow. um, but Kevin is friends with my, Kevin does the community podcast with one of my exes who I, who I, who I think is a good person. You know, sometimes yeah. great people aren't meant it to just, be life partners. Just doesn't work, you know? Yeah. Just two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, any anything else to say about these episodes of, of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? Covered a lot of ground here in the last 90 or so minutes. Um, no, I think Sounds I think like they're good. I I, yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think Dream Ghost should get dental. Um, yes. I think that's uh, that's very important. A lot of uh, health conditions do start uh, with gingivitis. So this is true. It impacts the whole the whole rest mm-hmm. of your body. Absolutely. I was actually googling today because um, I want to fix my overbite so that I have a more pronounced jaw, and I've been trying to Google different ways of doing that, and it is incredibly expensive no matter which way you go. And yep. I'm pretty sure my dental won't cover any of it um, ever orthodontics jaw surgery all of the above um i think really just even a dentist appointment would put me out right now so i'm gonna have to be an influencer before i fix that particular cosmetic feeling absolutely yeah there's a lot of things in my life where i'm like uh maybe i'm gonna have to like become suddenly very successful before this happens again (laughs) yeah you know exactly Absolutely. Maybe I have to be an impressive indie film director before I uh, am able to date again. It just seems, <laughs> you know, it's just like that just I'm looking at the data and that does seem to be the case. You know, and I, I'm just that that seems like the next logical step. Uh, absolutely. You, can, uh, you can bring them over to look at your uh, uh, microphone head apparatus <laughs> thing and then they'll be like. Wow, this guy's got money. Yeah. <laughs> Leaving you've the got, price tag on my microphone head. <laughs> so uh... this guy's got microphone head money. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, perfect. Beautiful. Wonderful. All right. Uh, so so that'll about do it. Uh, uh, ben, thank you for joining us. Uh, why don't you tell the good people uh, where they can find you and remind them where they can hear you. Uh, yeah, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Ben underscore etc. Um, it used to just be ETC, and then I had to change it because everyone thought I was doing uh, cryptocurrency uh, because of <laughs> Ethereum or whatever. Oh, and I was shit. like, I was getting, I was getting so many like random direct messages, like, "What's the yep. current price on on?" Uh, Ethereum yep. Classic, and I was like, changing my name. Thank you. Um, so yeah, Ben underscore et cetera, all spelled out. Um, I do a couple of different podcasts. Um, as mentioned, um, I'm on uh, yet another uh, community podcast. Uh, there are dozens of us. Um, that is Good Morning Greendale. Um, you can find out more about that show at goodmorninggreendale.com. And... Um, once that's over, uh, previous to that podcast, uh, I was on a, a Futurama podcast called Back to the Futurama, which will be returning because Futurama is returning. Wow. For some reason, it's uh, astounding. Um, 
so uh, you can check that out. And uh, when I actually have the time to do it, um, I do yet another podcast uh, called Ring My Bell, which is all about uh, both Taco Bell and masturbating. So um, oh. it's pretty much... I love both of those things. I yeah. have been exactly. a guest on that very podcast. Exactly. No way! You were on uh, on last year for uh, the first right. annual Wanksgiving episode. That's right, um, Wanksgiving. So... Yeah, right around my birthday, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. Uh, so uh, I try, I, uh, only a handful of episodes out for that. But if you want to listen to uh, people talk about what they love about Taco Bell and jerking off, uh, that is the podcast for you. Um, so those are my podcasts, and um, yeah, follow me on Twitter, uh, GoodMorningGreendale.com, BackToTheFuturama.net, and RingMyBell.SexAndLasers.com. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, All the the great websites. Yeah, I think my voice is now not recording on your special thing. Uh, That is true. Uh, You should be able to re-enter, but also we're basically done. Uh, And uh, I'll I'll, I'll plug for you. Yeah, I'll Um, ADR it later. But yeah, yeah, plug for me. Perfect. Uh, You know, uh, Kat, unfortunately, uh, has died. But if you want to follow their Instagram, uh, Kat Scott online, uh, of course, is that that is the uh, place to be. And uh, I am TV's Kevin Lanigan on all the stuff. And Advanced Media Studies is uh, the other show that I do. But if you're listening to this, you probably already knew that. I probably didn't need to tell you. Uh, And we'll be back uh, next month to finish out not only the year, but also the first season of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Amazing. We did it, Joe. Uh, I guess we haven't done it yet. I guess we can still fuck it up uh, here here before the end. Uh, Podcast cancel, get into a huge friendship ending uh, fight that ends this podcast. Uh, where we do indeed become ex-friends, as as the as the title of the show uh, suggests. Uh, but until then, uh, you know, uh, focus on your studying and uh, g- give the dream ghost dental. <laughs> they should not have to pay out of pocket for cleanings. You know the trope in storytelling. It's a norm. When a person's in trouble, a manifestation of their subconscious appears in the form of a dream ghost. Giving advice you kind of already knew, I'm a dream ghost. I'm really just your mind working things through. It's not clear if I'm hallucinating or a truly magic. Let's leave it vague. It's more journey through time and space and in the end you realize you knew the answer all along honestly it's a bit of a waste to be a dream ghost we're other dream ghosts helping people on this plane we're also dream ghosts while you're all asleep we're saying the refrain it'll never be clear if we're hallucinating or actually Yeah, a lot of people on this plane are having predicaments. This guy-